Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Hey, welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online. And yes, we're in week three. This is our last week of The Good Life. Start our Advent series next week, Christmas, uh, our movies at Christmas, or Christmas at the movies, I think it's called. Going to have fun with that. But um, I think that in our culture, the good life can be equated with success, money, uh, stuff like that. And what we're trying to understand and establish as a foundation for the good life, although money, success is not bad. So, so don't take what I'm saying in success is, oh, it's evil and money's evil. Money's not evil. How many thank God for money? Oh, only three of us. Okay. Yeah. It's the love of money that really messes with us. And it messes with all of us. But if that is your definition of the good life, you're going to be in trouble. Because money can't buy you peace. It can't buy you happiness. We all know that. Um, but what we're trying to establish is the purpose of God for our lives, which means the good life. John 10.10, 10, the series scripture, one of them, is the, the thief's purpose, the enemy's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus says, is to give you a rich and satisfying life, not just eternal life. A rich and satisfying life. When he says rich, he's not talking about you're going to be wealthy. He's just saying, hey, I want you to live so much in line with my purpose that even in the challenges of your life, when things don't go your way, when you don't get that job, when divorce is inevitable and you fill in the blanks, right? I mean, all those things are like, oh my goodness, we don't want that. But even in the midst of that, if you allow me, I will give you a rich and satisfying life. Even in the midst of your challenges, even in the midst of your mess, you can walk and live in peace. And that's what we're trying to establish is what is that? The good life. The next scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. The context specifically is for Israel as they're in captivity. And the Lord's encouraging them saying, hey, listen, you're not going to be in captivity forever. I know the plans that I have for you. And if you'll just surrender, if you'll worship, if you'll live with me and work with me, man, their plans for a good and not disaster for a future and a hope. So the overarching principle for us, even though this is specific in context to Israel, the overarching principle is that God has a plan and he is not caught off guard. He is not unaware of what it is that you and I are facing right now, but he still has plans. So that's the series foundation. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life, Jesus says, and God knows the plans that he has for you. And so we believe, I believe, that that in, that in large portion is the good life. When you can understand those things. So week one, we talked about God's purpose. God's purpose for creation. And we learned that God's purpose for creation was relationship. The, God's answer for brokenness was relationship. That God's answer for our purpose is relationship, that we would learn to love him with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, all of our strength, and that we would learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. That is our purpose. Your purpose is not your career. Your purpose is not your job or your money or your family or all those things. Your purpose 
is loving God and learning to love your neighbor. Now, all those things are not evil. All those things help. All those things are a part of your life and actually a part of your purpose. But your purpose is understanding that this way and this way matters. And that is the very purpose in which we were created. Now, as, a, as an individual, you understand our purpose. But as a corporate body, as, a, as the body of Christ here at Hope Fellowship, and if you call Hope your home, this is for you. Well, we have a, a mission as well. We have a purpose as well. Inviting everyone to find Jesus and helping them move to the center of God's purpose for their lives. That's why we exist since day one. We've said it different ways, but that's by and large why we exist. Creating a church that we can invite our friends to. So I invited you on a journey as we build our Prosper campus. This is the last week I'm going to talk about it like this. I know that some of you that are visiting, this is not for you. This is for home folk. But if you are a part of this church, Prosper, McKinney, Frisco West, here at Frisco East, I want to invite you to the journey that we have in, in Prosper. We, we bought land a, a year and a half ago. We're going to build our first building. And, and here's my goal. In two years, we want to pay cash for this. So if everybody can do their part, and maybe some of you can't do this, but my formula is, is kind of, oh, these are the pictures. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful. Um, but my formula is that we all do this together. I've not met with anybody individually. I've not met with any groups, any high capacity donors. I've not met with anybody but our elders. Not asked for any commitments whatsoever. We're all doing this together. And as I prayed about this journey, that's the way I thought we would do it. Not, you know, doing some weird fundraising event or campaign. We're just going to say, hey, all of us together, if you're a part of this, don't let it, I mean, if, if this hits you wrong, I get it. Don't, don't be mad. Just keep coming. And we won't talk about it that much. We'll talk about it at the beginning of the year and remind everybody. But anyway, if we can all come together, if 2,000 of us, and we have a ton of people that call this their church home, but if only 2,000 of us give 5,000 over and above our regular giving for the next two years, we'll pay cash for this. Some of you could do this easily. Some of you could do way more. Some of you, it's like, man, there's no way. That's okay. We're all in this together. It's just not the amount. It's the heart. So I invite you on this journey. So here's the, 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 the plan. First week into December, everybody's going to turn in a card, either physically or online. You can go to Prosper, text this, this uh, Prosper to 97,000. You can get all the information, online card, video, explain, explaining everything. You can do that. Go to hopefellowship.net slash Prosper updates. First week into December is our first offering and our, our commitment card. Some of you can do that online. You can do it if you don't want your name on it. And you say, man, I just feel weird about putting my name on something. I don't want you badgering me. <sighs> no problem. I'm not a badger. I'm, a, I'm just a human. But you can no name. Just put your card on there, your commitment, and leave it at that. Now, don't try to trick us and say, hey, I'm going to pull one over. I'm going to put five million on there. God sees you. And I see you, because we have cameras all around now. <laughs> so we invite you to do that. Okay, so that was week one, talked about that purpose. Now, week two, we talked about compassion, and we talked about it in this way. Neighbors who need spiritual compassion and neighbors who need physical compa uh, compassion, and then neighbors who need both. We talked about our Robley Alto partners in Costa Rica, invited you to sponsor a child. We've got about 150 to 200 sponsored right now. We want to invite you to do that. If you feel led to, to partner with us in sponsoring these kids in Costa Rica, and if you missed uh, last week's message about that, man, I encourage you to go online and watch that. But you can get all the information right here. I'd love to get 300. So if you've not done this yet and you plan to, 
You can go to Roblialto, uh, or you can go to hopefellowship.net slash child sponsorship, take a picture of this, and become a part of the, our compassion towards uh, Costa Rica and the kids that we're helping, and actually families that we're helping there as well. So today, totally changing gears, and we're going to talk about the good life as it relates to community. The good life as it relates to community. Now, I was raised, I was blessed in my upbringing. I was raised in a church. It was a small church in South Texas, but it was a church that for some reason, God placed me in the right home, placed me in the right church and the right group of people, and we grew up together. It was basically the same church all my life, and my friends that I have from that, those years are still my friends to this very day. Buzz and Linda and Billy and Lori and Tim and Kenny and all those guys that, that I grew up with, we're still in contact with each other today, to this very day. And I was raised going on vacations with the people in the church, with our friendship groups. It wasn't called a home group because we didn't have home groups back then. We had Sunday school and so forth. But we would go to on vacations with groups of people from our church. And we would uh, do, we did life together. And it, I, I grew up that way. And so I know that for me, when I talk about community and I talk about the importance of friendship, some of you didn't have that context. Some of you weren't raised in a church like that. Some of you had no relationship really whatsoever as it relates to deep friendships and community within your church. Those are just friends in the neighborhood or friends at school, and you didn't you grow up like that. I grew up like that. And to this very day, I have friends that are dear to me. Pastor friends uh, around this state, uh, Rick Gannon and Stephen Nutt and Andy Hostetler and Randy Ayers, we get together three or four times a year. In fact, in two weeks, we're getting together. Andy is diagnosed with lymphoma one of our dear friends, he was one of my roommates in college, and we're going to go down to San Antonio. We're all meeting together, and we're going to have dinner, and we're going to pray over him and believe God's best for him and Melissa and their family. But man, I am blessed to have deep relationships with uh, pastors around the, the country, but I'm blessed to have great relationships here this week. We have 50 bikers, well, no, I say bikers, people who ride motorcycles. There's a big difference between rider and biker. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a biker. I'm a rider. So, in other words, it's not a gang. You know what I'm saying? I'm not wearing my patched up leather stuff. And some do that. That's okay. I'm just a rider. But 50 of those guys are going on this week uh, with me to the hill country. Uh, right after the service, phew, going down to the hill country. And we're going to have fun. Last year, we baptized somebody. It's a great time. I've got great friends, great friends. But some of you don't have that context. And that is my purpose for today. My purpose for today is to, is to establish for you a biblical context for relationships that are very important. So let me start with, you know I like to make up definitions. So some of mine are way better than Webster's. So let me give you my definition of community. And here it is the people we have in our lives, and the people we choose to have in our lives. Now, how many know there are people in your lives that you have no choice? <clears throat> They're there. You have family members, and you wish you didn't, but you do. Look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead, right? <laughs> but you have people in your life that you don't have any choice. They are in your life, and the weird uncle, and the, all that stuff, you, you have them. Okay, and that's part of our community. It makes up your life. It makes up your your, uh, your friendship circles and relationship circles. But what I want to focus on is the people we choose 
to have in our lives. Because there's a big difference between people in our lives and the people that we choose to have in our lives. God created us for relationship. He created Adam, and when he looked at Adam, he said it's not good for him to be alone. And most of us, there's a, there's a lot of us that are, that are um, reserved people that like to be by ourselves. You're introverted, and you're like, man, it'd be great if there are no people, just me. And you don't really mean that. And if you do, uh, come forward for prayer at the end because we need prayer, right? Because we need each other. We were not wired to do this alone, to be isolated on some island unto ourselves, even though you've been hurt deeply by relationships. Maybe you have family members growing up that hurt you deeply, disappointed you deeply. Maybe you have a church that disappointed you and hurt you deeply. Maybe you have a friendship circle or a husband or a wife that hurt you deeply. Those are real things that we have to navigate because relationships are messy. You understand that, right? Relationships are messy. But it doesn't, even though we've been hurt and even though we have messes, it doesn't mean that relationships and friendships are not important because I'm going to prove, well, I think I'm going to prove to you biblically that, men relationships is what God is all about. And even though you've been hurt and even though you've been burned, You've got you've to find a way to release that past so that you can have a clear and healthy future. Those people who refuse to let go of the past and the hurts of the past through relationships are destined to live lonely and isolated lives. And I'm just saying, man, you've got to let go of some of that, even though it's been hurtful. I've got hurtful relationships. We all do. But you don't let that define your future. As, as in regards to relationships, because God created us for this. And I totally believe that, that community can be the very, one of the very most important things in your life regarding the good life. So let me put it on the screen like this to help us. I've never, I love talking about friendships. You know that. I talk about it a lot over the years. But I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to picture it a different way, and I'm going to put this on the screen for you like this. This is like the community of your life. You've got you in the center, me in the center, and you've got leaders who help lead you. You've had that growing up as parents, perhaps, or grandparents, or uncles or aunts, or whoever. You had leaders in your life in some form or fashion, teachers, coaches. You had um, spiritual leaders, priest, pastor, youth pastor. I mean, I was blessed in my life to, to have a youth pastor. His name's Chuck Myers, and I've told you about him many, many times, but he, he was a pivotal part of my spiritual journey. Mark and Evelyn, Evelyn Anderson and Don and Laria Thornton, who were pivotal people in my growing up years that led me and taught Sunday school. Dave Luan and Beth and all these people that poured into my life were leaders, right? You need those in your life. Some of you have mentors in your business life, people who lead you. you got bosses that are really great bosses. It's very successful not just financially, but relationally. And they lead you and they help you. And then you've got followers. Some of you have kids, some of you have grandkids. Some of you have people that are neighbors or coworkers that watch you. Maybe you lead teams or manage teams at work. Everybody has a follower of some sort for the most part. And then around you, you have your equals who are encouragers in your life. In other words, I'm not just saying they encourage you, say, hey, you look great today. Hey, it's a new great hairstyle, great haircut. No, they have encouragers that push you toward the center of God's will for your life. 
those are the people that you need in your life. So, so as it relates to this kind of community, let me just give you some foundational scriptures about leadership. The leaders that you need in your life, the spiritual I'm really more, more talking about as it relates to, to your community, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, hey, those leaders need to be a certain way. A church leader must, must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife, he must ex- exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having, good ge- or bring, uh, having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. Now, you've got many of those in your life, perhaps home group leaders or youth leaders or children's leaders or uh, pastors on our staff, as well as me. You've got leaders in your life that lead you spiritually. Hebrews chapter 13 says it like this, verse 7, I think. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of faith. So in other words, we have those people who are leading us. Now, then we have followers, and, and what oh, I'm just going to give you one passage where Paul says this about followership. And he says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So in other words, there are people that you can invite into your life to say, hey, I'm not perfect. Believe me, if you know me, if anybody that is, you know, any form of good relationship or close relationships to me, no, I'm not perfect. I'm not, I mean, but, but you can follow me. You can say, hey, man, we in men's Bible studies or women's Bible studies or classes of all sorts or home groups, there are people who are following, following you or you're following somebody else. And then there are the encouragers that are around you, the, the, you know, your peers, the friendship circles that you have. And these are vitally important. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says it like this, so encourage each other, build each other up just as you are already doing. In other words, the people in your life encouraging you toward God, toward the things of God, toward the purpose of God, not away from. Not away from that. Galatians 6 says it like this, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help somebody, you need to get over yourself. That's the Greek right? You, you, need to, you need to understand that you're only fooling yourself if you think you're that important. In other words, share each other's burdens. Now, this is the community that we all need. We need leaders, we need followers, and we need people around us that encourage us and push us toward God, push us toward the things of God. Not in a legalistic way, not in some kind of controlling way, but in a godly, biblical way, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to fellowship. We need that in our lives. Now, let me put the the chart on here a different way. Okay, so we have the the leader, the follower, and the encouragers, which is a, a good kind of community. But let me just change one word in this, in this circle, and that is from encouragers to discouragers. Now, this is what we don't need in our lives. We need the leaders, we need the followers, but we don't need the discouragement. And what I mean by this is not people who say, hey, you look crazy today, go change your clothes. Not that kind of discouragement. Not, I'm, talking, I'm talking about discourage you or pull you away from the purpose of God for your life. Pull you away from the things of God. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to give you the context of this. Paul talking to them. Someone in the group is, is probably from the group of the Sadducees of the first Jewish leaders century, the first century, the Jewish leaders, Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection, did not believe in life after death. And Paul is talking to a group in Corinth and he's saying, and why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear to your brothers and sisters that I face death daily. This is a certain, in other words, as I preach the gospel, I'm facing death. There are people who don't like this. And this is as certain as my pride in what Christ is, our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people who did not believe in the resurrection, those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there's no resurrection, here's what he's saying. Hey, if there's no resurrection, this is what these people are saying. Let's feast and drink for tomorrow we eat. He says, don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. This is the line I want you to get. Bad company corrupts good character. And hey, we don't know where this thing's going. We don't know where life's going. Let's just feast, eat, drink. Let's just be happy. Let's just have a party. And Paul's saying, hey, you need to be, be very, very, very careful about who you allow in your life. Bad company corrupts you. Proverbs chapter, chapter 13 says, walk with the wise and you'll be wise. Walk with fools and you'll be foolish. Now, one passage that is so clear and so important is 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is, this is driving home my point that I felt really strong about today. And that's this. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or who are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant, now listen to this, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, so that's not what I'm talking about, but it is certainly your responsibility to make sure you judge those inside the church who are sinning. In other words, I know we don't like to hear that, but this is the exact language that Paul uses, that you can, you yourself, judge someone else's character, you judge somebody by what they're doing, and say, you know what, I don't want any part of that. I, I, I don't want to indulge in that. So what I'm saying, and what I felt strongly today, is that in our circle of relationships, in our, in our community of friends, You've got those leaders and those followers, but those encouragers that we're really spending most of our time with, that close circle of friends, are they, listen, are they pushing you towards the Lord? Or are they pulling you away from him? Pushing you towards the things of God or pulling you away from the things of God? If you're single, adult, and you've got friends in your life saying, hey man, let's just go, let's go, down to Dallas and let's liquor it up and let's do whatever comes our way, you need to say, hey, no, I don't want any part of that. I don't want that in my life. Now, you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be crazy and legalistic. But you just, what Paul is saying is, hey, guys, listen, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you the, your, your, your destination, your direction. 
Because the people that you allow into your life, and I'm talking to everybody, all couples who, who in our area, there is this, it feels like, and I've been here for 21 years, and, and I'm not, I don't love our area. We, I mean, we have great school system for the most part. We got great leaders and great stuff going on, great economy. Love, I love that. But it, but it can be, if we're, if we're not careful, it can suck us into materialism. And that money thing, if we dive into it, if we start begin to love it, it creates all kinds of things for us and all kinds of relationships that are pulling us from God rather than pushing us to him. And if you've got friends in your life that are, quote, believers, even in this church, if you've got friends in your life say, hey, we're going to go out, and they, and I mean, spend all Friday night getting liquored up, and, and, and I'm not, listen, I'm not against alcohol. I think in moderation, you do whatever you, you and the Lord decides what is right. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying too much of it will destroy you. And what we have, what we find, and what I'm finding in, in our culture, in this area, there is this cultural Christianity that names the name of Jesus, but then lives like hell during the week. Excuse the French or the English. Does you, you, understand, you understand what I'm saying? I know this is like, this is like man, I can't believe you're talking about this. I brought a friend today. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> Look at him and say, hey, I'm dropping you next week, man. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but there are people who are influencing our lives. Listen, for the, for the negative. They're discouraging us from God's will. They're discouraging us. They're pulling us away, saying do things that are contrary to what the Bible teaches. That's what I'm saying. And, and what we need is, I'm going to put it on the screen like this, what we need is a community renovation. You, you watch HGTV? Anybody watch that? And you see some of these shows that transform houses. And some of them I like, some of them I don't like. But the, the picture that I want you to, to get in your mind, if you're a teenager in the room, please listen. And this is not just for teenagers, though, but I want you, if you're a teenager in the room and, and you... And, and you have any kind of wisdom or sense about you, please understand that the people that you allow in your life will determine the direction of your life. And if they're pulling you away from Jesus, there are some things that you need to renovate. And you need to, you need to do some remodeling in your community, in your circle of friends, because it will lead you down a path that may not destroy your life in the sense of like you're going to be a drug addict or you're going to do this or that, but it will lead you away from Jesus. And again, remember the overarching thing, series scripture, is that we want to live the purpose of Jesus, a rich and satisfying life. And when people are pulling you away from that, you need to understand. Paul says, hey, don't even eat with them. And I understand that's harsh, right? We don't like to hear that, but it's, it's harsh. But you need to renovate some of your community. So my heart for us today is not to slam us for, you know, for friends that are imperfect. I'm not saying that. We're, nobody's perfect. But, but what I am saying, what, you, what I want you to hear today when you leave is I want you to answer the question, who's in your life pushing you towards God, and who's in your life pulling you away from him. I don't care if they name the name of Jesus or not. 
Now, we have this tension to manage between the loss that we're trying to reach. Jesus did this perfectly, ate with sinners, ate with tax collectors, but yet held a standard. Do you understand? There's this tension to manage. But when it comes to your inner circle, when it comes to the people who are influencing your life the most, iron sharpens iron. Are they pulling you away from God or are they pushing you toward Him? Even if they're believers, watch it. Be careful. Be careful. So week one, let me kind of sum it up. I'm going to sum it up in two ways. This is the first way. Week one, we invited you to join our purpose in reaching more people and prosper. Okay, I don't make, I mean, I just, it's an invitation for you to join us financially. Let's pay cash for this thing and let's move on. Week two, we talked about uh, invited you to be a neighbor to our partners in Costa Rica, sponsoring child, ch- uh, children, showing compassion. I love it. We're sponsoring a kid, and, and I've got three others that I sponsor, and, and we'll do more if we need to, but, but the, the reality is I invite you to do that. Today, I want to challenge you to think through your community and make changes where needed. Think through your community your friends, and make some changes. You don't have to be, look, again, hear me. You don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to send some nasty text to your friends in our church. Hey, John, talking to you, man, talking about you. You're dead to me. You don't have to text that, okay? Just, you, you pull away, and you just say, if, there, if it's questions, so you know what, I am, man, I, I need to get some things straight in my life, and I need I need people who's going to put, who are going to push me towards that. And they may not like it. They may get offended. I, told, I get it. Community is messy. Church is messy. It's all that way. But I want to challenge you today. We try to facilitate as best as we can. We're not perfect at it. But we try to facilitate healthy community here. So my challenge for you today is, is I want you to go to hopefellowship.net slash groups. I want you to look at this page. And there are two things on the front page. Lead a group and find a group. Those are the two first thing you'll see when you go to this website, groups, slash groups. Lead a group. I need some of you to lead. We need, we've got people who need to be led. You don't have to be perfect to lead. You don't have to have all the answers or a degree to lead. If, if you're in a position in life or a season in life and you've been around the block and you think you can help some people, we give you all the training. We give you everything we need. Some of you need to be leading. And it's not that John needs you to lead. Jesus does. Can I do that? Can I manipulate you that way? And that Jesus needs you to lead. Some of you could be doing that. And if you can, click on that link. And January 9th, there's a leadership training. We'll give you all the tools you need. It's so easy. It's not rocket science, but it's good. If you're not feeling in that season of life, but you want to join a group, there's another button that says join a group. And it will take you to a page where there's all kinds of things. I clicked through it so that I know what I'm talking about. It goes all kinds of groups. One in particular that I want to bring your attention to is called Circle Up. If you've never been in a group, or maybe you've been in a group, but you've been out for a long time, whatever, Circle Up is an opportunity for you at Frisco East, Frisco West, and McKinney on Tuesday nights starting in February. And I know that's like a long way away, but we've got Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. We're going to start it in February. But it's a great time for you to come, meet couples your own age, your own season of life, and then see how it goes. 
just see how it goes and we'll launch into a group. It's called Circle Up. And then at Prosper Campus, you're going to meet on Sunday mornings during one of the services. There's many other groups to be involved with. My point, my point here is, hey, we try to help you find a, a community that will encourage you, not discourage you. That's all I'm saying. So find a group. Find community. Either lead one or join one. But don't just spectate on a weekend. Find community. Find some people who will encourage you in your faith. So let me sum it up this way for the whole series. Okay, here's, here's the thing. Number one, the good life starts with living your purpose. Love God, love people. That's, if you don't get anything out, if, if prosper and our raising money for that offends you, I'm not trying to offend you. We got to do what we got to do. And I want to pay cash for this. So I'm asking you to join us. If you call this your home, pray about that. Think about that. And first weekend of December, we'll take an offering and we'll, we'll turn in our cards. But don't let that be the overarching thing that you walk away from this series from. I want you to live in purpose. And the good life consists of loving God and loving people. The second thing is the good life includes compassion for, for neighbors in need. And you can't live the good life. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know if you've ever found that out yet, but the, the older you get, the older I get, when I give Lucy, she gets a present every day, my granddaughter. Right? It feels like, I mean, every day there's something that we, man, you get a present because you deserve it type of deal. Can I just tell you that that it give, brings me way more joy than you giving me a present? way more joy to, to watch her face light up and those eyes get big. Man, it's more blessed to give. And I'm not talking about older in age. I'm talking about older in the Lord. You learn it's more blessed to give than to receive. And then the good life consists of, of healthy spiritual community, a healthy spiritual community. And I, I'm not trying to offend anybody today. If, if, if you're not living right, and you're a part of that friendship circle that you're pulling people away, and, and there's some things about that that, that you're doing that are, that are unhealthy and, and really outside of God's will for your life, hey, come back towards Him. Come back towards Him. And let me just say, through all of this community stuff that I'm talking about, it's messy. People can be weird. You get into a group. How many have ever been in a group? And it's like, oh, man, it'd be great if, if that weird couple. There's always that weird one in the bunch. And if you've never experienced that, you're probably the weird one. You know what I'm saying? You're probably the one that doesn't realize it. No, I'm kidding. Sort of. Listen, this is not perfect. It may take you two or three or four times to find that group that just kind of meshes, the, that men's group, that ladies' group, that couples' group, whatever. Try. I promise you. I promise you. It will be better if you get into community for your life. The good life consists of purpose, compassion, and community in the right way. And it starts this way. And if you've never started a relationship with the Lord, maybe a new way of thinking toward you. Maybe you don't come from this background that I came from. We call it, you know, surrendering your life to Jesus. Maybe you don't come from that background and it sounds awkward or sounds weird. All it is is deciding in your life who's going to lead you. Is it going to be you or is it going to be God? 
That's the bottom line. And when you can get to the point in your life where you go, you know what, my leadership kind of stinks. I want to give Jesus the leadership reins. Man, if that's you, that's where it starts. This way. And then this way. So if you're here today and you need to make a decision this way, you're distant from God for whatever reason, past relationships, past churches that hurt you, past pastors or priests that hurt you, or whatever, man, don't let that, don't let that get between you and God. People will disappoint you, and I believe you, churches are imperfect, and they will disappoint you. God will never disappoint you. If you're distant from him for whatever reason, make that right today. And we invite you to do that. And if there are changes that you need to make this way, in a loving, healthy way, make those changes. Make those changes to to a group of people who will encourage you toward God's will for your life. Let's pray. God, you're... Your word is always challenging. It is always cutting. And I mean that in a good way. It's cutting between what you want and what we want. And I pray that today as we read your word and if there's anything that I said to get in the way, or I pray that we'd kind of forget that. And, and really, Holy Spirit, in this moment, you would deal with us on whatever level it is that we're working with and that we're walking with. If there's some changes or distance between us and you that we need to make, God, would you hear our prayer today and say we're coming back home or we're accepting what you've done for us? And if there's decisions that we need to make with our neighbor, with with the people that are in close proximity to us, our community, and help us to have the courage and the, and the boldness, but yet the wisdom and the love to make those changes. Either way, God, pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would, in fact, be done in our lives, pushing us, encouraging us toward you in every way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.